If you've got your Bibles or devices, I want you to turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4 and um, just a word today that that the Lord has been laying on my heart as we step into this new year and uh, all that God has for us this year. Don't, don't you appreciate just Brett and Alan and being able to hear uh, what God is showing them as, uh, man, they, they're godly guys and I love the way they proclaim the Word of God. And so we are very blessed uh, on a weekly basis. But if, if you have your Bibles open or your devices on, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, I always encourage you to take notes. Uh, I've always found out that the shortest pencil is better than the longest memory. So uh, you can mark notes and it will help you. But uh, Scripture's on the board if you don't have a Bible. And here we go, Ephesians 4, verses 11 through 16. And he, that he is referring to um, God in the flesh through uh, uh, Jesus, or actually his spirit imparts these things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry for the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood or mature adulthood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children, immature ones, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. We're going to be dealing with this passage for a couple of weeks, but look back at verse 14 just a minute. So that we may no longer be children or immature ones or directionless ones who are tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, that's teaching, human cunning, that's the... the speaking of man, and by craftiness and deceitful schemes. I think we live today, 2022, we live in a day that's directionless. I think so many people are like the waves of a sea. They're just out there drifting, and culture, the government, the media, Hollywood is dictating what happens. And we're seeing this over and over again. In fact, we're even seeing it in the body of Christ. So many teachings. Uh, you can go online and literally find what you want taught, and it will teach you. It will teach you. Uh, whether it's truth or not, You truth is relative, right? No, truth is absolute. But in our culture, truth is relevant, and people are out there on waves. And he's talking about believers, and we are all prone to, to drift. We're all prone to drift. And, and so often we are without direction. And life, uh, 
we're just living life. And here's the deal. We don't want to admit it. Because if we admit it, it means that we are powerless to what's going on around us. That there is no direction. So what does everybody do? Everybody acts like they got it together. And this is the way we're going. We're, we're going to make this happen. And we don't want to admit it. But in the quiet moments, when all the voices are still, the media is not screaming at us, we're not searching, keeping our minds busy on our phones, when those quiet moments hit, we really ask ourselves, what is my anchor in life? Why do I exist? What is my purpose? Do I actually have direction in my life? There's a story told about the baseball great Yogi Berra, who was known for his verbal faux pas, his verbal errors that uh, he would make quite often. But he was driving, and he was driving some fellow baseball players, New York Yankees, and their wives to go see the Hall of Fame. And as they're driving... They notice that they've gone by a particular landmark for the third time. And finally somebody says, Yogi, you gotta admit we're lost. And Yogi said, I know, I'm lost. And he said, why did you not stop and ask directions? He said, we were making such good time, I didn't want to stop. And that's the way we are in life so much. I'm active. I'm going. I'm doing things. Why stop and ask for directions? I'm making good time. But, but literally, we're lost. We're directionless and we don't know where to go. And many of your goal setters, 2022, January rolls around, you set goals. But you know, there has to be an end game to those goals. If you're going to say, I'm just going to lose weight, or I'm going to get it in better shape, or I'm going to start saving money, or I'm going to do whatever, read the Bible through. If that is just your goal without an end game somewhere, it's just a matter of time before you're going to burn out and you're not going to be able to do it. I promise you that. And we have a tendency... To just set goals and do things because culture says that's what you should do. There was a man who was lying on the beach and he was fishing. And a businessman came up to him and he said, man, you need to work harder. And the guy fishing said, what's the reward? He said, the reward was would be you would make more fish. Well, what's the reward? Well, if you get more fish, then what you're able to do is you're going to sell it and make money. Well, what's the reward? Well, the reward would be you'd be able to buy a boat and go out and catch more fish. Well, what's the reward? Well, you can hire other people to work with you and you could bring in more fish. And you, as you bring in those more fish, then you could go and make more money. Well, what's the reward? Well, you could get a fleet of ships then and go out and make more money and bring in more fish so that you could eventually retire and just sit on the beach and fish. He said, that's what I'm doing right now. And many of our goals are directionless. Why? why it, what's the reward? Why it's going to happen? And here's the deal. 
We trust that with a house. Nobody would build a house without house plans. Nobody would would invest their money without upfront looking, talking to an investor or, or doing. We we look at the end in mind. Why don't we do that with our spiritual lives? Why don't we do that with the most important thing that God has given us? We just kind of live and leave it up to others and leave it up to other people. And what happens is we we set this target that we think is out there. And but when you have no direction, it it's like you're aiming at a target that doesn't exist. You don't know where to, where to shoot. And 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 you don't know what to do. And so you're just floating around being like everybody else. It's like the dad who bought his little boy a, a bow and arrow. And he bought him this bow and arrow and he he said, son, I want you to learn how to be an archer and how to shoot this bow and arrow. So I want you to go over there and shoot in the side of the barn. And the little boy comes back and he said, dad, I've got it down. And the dad was in awe. He said, let's go over there and see. And sure enough, on the side of the barn, there was chalk targets and there was an arrow in the bullseye of every chalk target. And he said, son, i got to see this. And so the little boy fumbled with an arrow. He could barely pull it back. He, he shot it, and sure enough, it stuck in the side of the barn. Not even close to a target. But the little boy went and got a piece of chalk, and he drew a bullseye around the arrow and concentric circles. So it didn't matter what he was shooting. He was shooting the target. And what's happening in our culture, even among Christ followers, is we're directionless. And we live in a very dark day. We live in a country that has gone from uh, a Christian nation to a verge of a post-Christian nation to an anti-Christian nation. We're seeing it. We're seeing the darkness all around us. And yet many followers of Jesus have no target that they're shooting for. In our time off last week, uh, I, I, I like to reread certain books. And so I was rereading Stephen Covey's Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And it's a self-help book. It's not a necessarily a Christian book, even though it has a lot of principles and moral stuff in there. It's a leadership book. And so there's so many things in there that I, I really gathered from it. So I've read it several times. And he has seven habits, obviously. And uh, the second habit is this. Begin with the end in mind. Begin with the end in mind. In other words, don't take steps unless you know where you're going. And we do this of so much of life, but I wonder how many of us do this in our spiritual life? Or how how much do the church think about the end game, do we think about where we're actually leading people? And so when there's no target for people, and what we do is we will change the target to fit what we want. We will do that uh, in our mental capacity. We will do that with truth. We will do that, hear me, with the way we live morally. Pam and I had a TV show recommended, and so we 
sat down and watched it, and uh, there was a there was a scene where two ladies have a romantic kiss. We looked at each other, kind of shocked, and uh, thinking, "Man, that was that just on that television show?" But you know, I I got to thinking. I got to thinking. I remember as a kid watching Leave It to Beaver. Now, for this generation, YouTube it. Leave It to Beaver, Ward and June, who were the Beaver's parents, they were having a discussion on a particular show of whether they should let the Beaver play with a little boy down the street whose parents were divorced. And it was a big issue to talk about. And I remember that. And then I thought, I rem- how many shows and movies do we watch where a couple are not married, but they're re- relationally and romantically and intimately involved with one another, and we don't even blink at it. And so we're seeing this TV show, and these two ladies have a romantic kiss, and, uh, and it creates shock. But you know what's going to happen. We're just a ways away from it being normalized. And what happens is, is we change the target because we're directionless. Even the church seems to be directionless with much of this. So, how do we begin with the end in mind as Christians? Now, I'm not talking about heaven. Everybody wants to go to heaven. I mean, the most pagan person, the most immoral person ever wants to know that after they die, there's something pleasant that awaits them. So I'm talking about this Christian life that we have. How do we begin with the end in mind? How do we know that our ladder is pushed up against the right wall. Because which of us want to want to climb the ladder that we climb all during life just to find out it's leaning against the wrong wall? The wrong wrong way of life. Pam and I, when we do pre-marriage counseling, like to give a challenge to the to be couple. And what uh what we do is we talk about Imagine in your mind your 50-year wedding anniversary. All of your kids are around you. You're healthy. You uh, have your uh, children, your grandchildren, your work associates, uh, ch- uh, church friends, other friends, and they're giving out kudos to you for 50 years of marriage. They're talking about your spiritual life. They're talking about the beauty of your marriage. They're talking about how the impact you had on your family. Imagine your 50-year anniversary, and that's what is going to take place. But here you are today, not even married. What steps do you need to take right now to get to there? You, you don't begin on year 49 and saying, whoa, I hope somebody says something good about us next year. You start... Right now, you start 
If you're a teenager not even thinking about marriage, you want to stay pure right now. You don't want to wait on and to, and well, eventually I'm going to get married. You know what I'm saying? You take steps right now so that you can have that right then. But what about your life spiritually? What I want to do, and I need to do this quickly, is I want to lay out to you six things that individually ought to be uh, keeping the end in mind for you, the, the outcome. We're, next week I'm going to talk about corporately. Today I want to talk about individually. An individual believer and follower of Jesus Christ. Six things that begin with the end in mind. This is where uh, we're headed. Number one is this, a personal encounter with Christ. Notice I did not say a religious thing. I did not say a moral code of conduct. Those things are fine. I love that you come to church. I love that you keep the Ten Commandments. I love that you have a moral code of conduct. But listen, I believe if you have a personal encounter with Jesus Christ, those things are going to be automatic. You're going to grow in those things. You're going to grow in purity because you have a relationship with the one who's ultimately pure in Jesus himself. But if you came to Christ and you have just become a churchgoer and a good person, hear me, it's a matter of time before you're going to burn out. Because the world is going to beat you up. That's why Christ gave the Spirit to inhabit us because He can do that through us. Okay? So, a personal encounter with Christ, which is exactly what Daryl talked about a moment ago. Number two is this. A hunger to pursue right things. You want to develop a hunger to pursue right things. Now, Jesus said in the Beatitudes, He said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they are the ones that shall be satisfied. You see, when we read the Scriptures, when I read the Scriptures, Genesis through Revelation, how often do I talk about a progressive seeking after God? Even though you've come to know Him, there's still a hunger to know Him more. And He reveals more about Himself. So you want to seek Him even more. So your whole life is a pursuit. When I pray for you on a daily basis, I talk about, when I pray through the directory, I pray, God, give them a hunger for you. A hunger to pursue you, Lord. And, and, and when I say right things, I'm talking about righteous things, God things, wise things. You want to hunger after these things. Number three, a desire to know the Word of God. A desire to know the Word of God. To desire to know the Scriptures. The Bible is God's revelation to man. And I know people are going to argue against the Word of God. They're going to say there's fallacies in it. And, and these kind of things. But you know, nothing ever has been compiled in all the history of mankind from thousands of uh, years of being compiled with one major theme and people from all different walks. And let me tell you, 
the Scriptures is so much more than a history book. It's the Word of God. And, and if we're going to follow after Him, then we need to understand the Word of God. Now, I have had the privilege when I was a teenager, somebody introduced to me about reading the Word systematically on a yearly basis. And so I took up the challenge to do that. And, and now, uh, you know, I've read the Bible through, I, I don't know, uh, 30 times or so. And so you, you begin with Genesis, and you, I read a little old, a little new every day. And, and somebody may say, Mark, good night. Nobody reads a book that many times. You ought to have it memorized by now and, and learn. I, you know, you don't pick up a, a book and read it and, and uh, read it the next year. Why do you do that about Bible? Bible. Here's the reason. The Bible never changes, but I do. Every year, I'm different. I'm another season of life. I, I am I, I'm dealing with things that I wasn't dealing with last year. And I'm so grateful that the Word of God doesn't change. So that when, when I read it that morning, that God knew exactly where I'd be reading it, and He knew exactly the Word I would need for the day. Does that make sense? I mean, we have a tendency to pick and pack in the Bible. Listen, I know it's difficult. Uh, uh, because we're an illiterate society. Listen to it. Put it on in your car. Put it on your phone. Get just where you're saturated in the Word of God. So desire and hunger for the Word of God. I've got six of these, so let me get on. Number four, desire to connect with other believers in true community. Desire to connect with others and I'm, I'm going to add this, in true community. And I'm not saying just come to church. This is, this is helpful, but listen, you need other people that are going to protect you, that are going to encourage you, they are going to help you grow, they are going to help you uh, with support. I, I know Pam and I and everything we've dealt with in life, and some of it's been completely unpleasant, it's so good to know we have unconditional loving friends who wrap their arms around us and love us. And, and you need that. I know some of you have relocated here recently and you say, Mark, I had that at my previous church. I've just not developed it here yet. You know, my prayer is, God, please help them develop it. That's the reason we do groups we, we want to teach you the Word of God, but we, need, we know you need other people. And so a person, who, when I think about the end in mind, it's a person who is connected with other people. And, uh, and that's, that's, uh, that, that they do life together. You know, that's the terminology. Number five, a realization that the Christ life will lead me to live and speak that others might know Him. Love and speak so that others may know Him. I chose those words intentionally. Because if I would have said we are to be witnesses for Christ, the hair on the back of your head would... Because you think, oh, there's no way I can be a witness for Christ. But... Can you love people enough and speak to them 
and serve them in such a way that they can see that Jesus is real. One of the biggest deterrents for people coming to Christ are Christians. Or Christians who are not living godly lives are speaking the love of Christ. They know. They know. And so, we want to be people who are Christ ambassadors. You know, as followers of Jesus Christ, throughout the history, there was a time when there was the monastic movement, which people who really wanted to grow in their faith would go and hole up in monasteries or or there was really really history has given us some strange stories as they isolate let me tell you the word of god never calls us to isolate but it calls us to infiltrate it calls us to be salt and causes calls us to be light in a dark world and let me tell you christian we need to be that today desperately desperately Last one. And I'm talking about keeping the end in mind. This is where we're headed. It's We're all in process. You're saying, some of you are saying, Mark, I've screwed up. I'm not sure I can ever get there. Well, I, let me tell you, I'm so grateful for repentance. Repentance means a change of direction. When we are prone to drift, uh, just like I say, the to and fro on the waves... We can come back, and and God, you're our anchor. We repent. We come back to you. Here's number six. Seek to walk in obedience to God. Seek to walk in obedience to God. But here, let me add add something on to that. As the Spirit guides, enables, and empowers. You see, God gave the Holy Spirit to enable you, to empower you, and to guide you. And as a follower of Jesus, this is just part of it. And, and, and the, I, the word obedience, I like that word even though it's, it bristles in our day. Because we don't want to serve anybody, right? We, the, the government's going to tell me I need to be vaccinated. We, we bristle. You got to wear a mask. You bristle. You got to do this. You bristle. I mean, that's just the way we are as humans. So when obedience is, is uh, said, but listen, we're called to be obedient to Christ. His Spirit empowers us. He guides us. He enables us to live these lives with, you ready for this? Our time, our talent, our treasures, everything we are. We are but managers, and he is, he is the owner. So, so what? This is the end in mind. This is something that I think we need to keep in front of us always. You know, I've discovered something. The older I get, when I do messages like this and God's burning this on my heart, keep the end in mind. When I was young and arrogant, I thought I was a lot closer to that than I am now. I see how screwed up I am now. I see my, you know, talk about desperation. I'm desperate. Listen, uh, uh, 60, about to be 63 years old, and uh, 
I know that God desires perfection and that I'm sinful. My sin is kept in front of me all the time. And if it's not for Christ, I don't have a chance. And so I become more desperate the older I've become. What about you? What about you? Do you know Him? Is there, is there a hunger? Have you drifted? There was a man who had a horse, beautiful horse, and another guy came up to him and said, man, that's a gorgeous horse. Um, can you ride him? He said, man, you put a saddle on this horse, he's going to buck like crazy. You can't ride him. Well, then you, can you uh, trap him to a cart or a wagon of some sort and he pull it? We tried that, man. He, he destroyed the wagon. He, he was just terrible. Okay, you can't ride him. He can't pull a wagon. What good is he? He said, man, he's got style. He's got style. I can show you some beautiful pictures of this horse and how much style he has. I wonder if the world doesn't look at the church today and says, she's got style, but you can't ride her, can't pull a wagon. She's not functioning, but she's got style. I don't want to, I don't want to have style. I don't want to be the most current, trendy congregation that exists, but I do want to know the Spirit of God, and I want to make a difference with the time of God. This is the keeping the end in mind. Let's pray.